The Jay Garvin Show Home Mortgage Talk. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to noon. Here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM and 1240 a.m. Now, here's Jay Garvin's. This segment is brought to you by Empire Title, Bill McAfee, your best of the best Colorado Springs 2013 gold winner. Well, right when you thought, Colorado, you were tuning in to KRDO and the Jay Garvin Show, you ended smack dab in the middle of Toy Story. So, those of you who are just joining us, I am Jay Garvin's. You have actually landed at the Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, where we have another beautiful fall weekend in Colorado. Again, it's the 11th of October, and Halloween and the holidays are coming upon us, and I just personally appreciate your and my time and I do so appreciate it as much as you do so you can get a hold of me directly at 719-330-1457 I am your host with the most I am not piped in from uh, Tennessee, Tallahassee, or Arizona. I'm coming to you right from your backyard in Colorado Springs and the entire southern Colorado region here at KRDO, looking at my producer and enjoying the weekend just like you. And less than 24 hours ago, I had my world turned upside down. But don't you worry, because that is the life of a Jedi. And that's what I am, your home mortgage Jedi, slashing through all the confusion, turning at a moment's notice to whatever news affects you the most, not for the country, not for our president, not even for our Congress, but for you and your family, your budget, your community, your retirement, and your future. So I had planned a follow-up of last week's show, which I always think last week's show was the best show aside from the show that I'm delivering to you now, and that was Demographics, the lean years last week. So you can go into the archives and get that. And if you don't want to call me, 3301457 to figure out how to do that, just go to RadioMortgage.com, RadioMortgage.com, and that'll send you to my home site, another company that I own, Garvin's Mortgage Group, where we can help you out, but also you can get a hold of the archived shows. And I had planned to do a second carry-on show of demographics, not the lean years, but going back in time. And Matt's assured me we're still going to use the music today back in time because we're going to have to do some historical plays for you here on the show. But instead of doing that, I got some startling news this week. It dripped out on Wednesday. It started to pour out on Thursday. And yesterday and Friday, it was all over the markets. And that is the fact that our illustrious chairman of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, took to the stage again at the microphone and changed up everything on us because I have been telling you, all the listeners, for the last five months since May, that we were going to have a dramatic turn of events unless a geopolitical or a historically political event occurred because they being the Federal Reserve, announced, and the entire, I believe, 12 on-the-board regions announced that on the 28th, 29th, and 30th meeting of the Federal Reserve that they were going to announce that the final purchase of mortgage-backed securities and that powerful stimulus that we got coming up against us was finally going to come to an end. 
And that, in turn, would give us some of the same results that we saw financially in 2013, where rates went up dramatically. Well, it rained in my parade, just like Thursday. So I'm going to get into that, and I'm going to talk to you about what that announcement meant, what it means to be a uh, crack-addicted nation. Going to cover that. And then also, most importantly, in the power segment, I'm going to tell you exactly how it will apply to your life. So with the drum roll, Matt, today's show is... To infinity and beyond! Quantitative easing continues. So before I get into that show, I am always interrupted by that knock. It is the time for you and me to do... Housekeeping! 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 And the housekeeping here, first of all, will always remind you, if you're a brand new listener, that moi, Jay Garvin's, I also own Garvin's Mortgage Group, located right downtown in Colorado Springs, where our mission is to transparently lead you through a mortgage transaction through education... Diverse options and superior customer service. Well, you and I are here today. I take care of the education end, but it doesn't end here on the radio every single week on Saturdays today. And if you're listening Sunday from 10 to 11, 10 to 11 in the replay, I educate you as much as I can about the community, about the finances, about mortgages, about real estate, and about anything budget-wise that affects you and your world. That means not only you, but your kids, your cousins, your uncles, your coworkers, your friends, and sometimes your enemies. So I'm going to go over a couple of things here. One, interest rates are still low, and I'm going to explain throughout the show that I might be reneging on my prediction that rates will go up after Halloween because it looks like the federal government and Janet Yellen are reneging on what they told you. And I'll tell you, last year I predicted that there was going to be a change, and there was. Earlier this year in May, I predicted that based on what I heard of the Federal Reserve's meeting coming up in October, that rates were going to go up. And I said the only way that that would be avoided is if there was a major geopolitical event like an invasion of a country or a bombing or something like that, or if there was a political connection. And I really predicted that this was going to be a tough sell before one of the largest midterm elections in November. And that is exactly what's happened. And I'm going to tell you that I believe there's a political connection, but this isn't a political show, so I will play that down mostly. But this last week in the papers, it said home sales and home prices soar. In Wednesday's business section of the Gazette, and the uh, chairman of the Pikes Peak Association of Realtors said there is really no specific reason why the rise in home sales and prices continues. But one possible explanation, he said, is buyers might expect a mortgage rate increase later in the year. And we are starting to see panic in all different realms of our community, our state, our nation and society overall. And then once again, we have the federal government and the printing of mortgage-backed securities da, 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 to our rescue. So some of the only things in the local newspapers that I believe are going to save this, it's a great year to be in North Dakota or Texas or Nebraska or even southern Colorado. And I mention this to you because oil and the exploration of oil and fracking 
are one of the major areas that we're having recovery in our nation. I looked in the Marketplace Wall Street Journal this year, and it stated that California is finally getting on board uh, the highest import state for oil. And the more that we can create economic activity, the more we can counter whatever is happening at the national level with the Federal Reserve. But the most important thing to tell you before the break is that interest rates are still good. I've got a seminar coming up on the 21st of this month, Tuesday, the 21st of October from 6.30 to 8.30, and there are a couple of seats left for investment property ownership. I mentioned at Garvin's Mortgage Group, we provide you with options instead of just a transaction in your financial mortgage needs. But then also we cover it almost like a frosting over a cake with a complete plan of customer service. So rates are still strong. I want to help you with the refinance. I want to help you with the purchase as I'm going to teach people on the 21st of October. But most of all, I want you to reach out to me at radiomortgage.com when you get home and ask me your question and help me understand what you need. But also you can call me directly at 330-1457. And I'm going to be back after the break to launch to infinity and beyond. Quantitative easing continues. Right here on the Jay Garvin Show, Caradio News Radio. But to understand the future, we have to go back in time. The Jay Garvin Show Home Mortgage Talk. Here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM and 1240 AM. We're back with our home mortgage Jedi, Jay Garvins. And this segment is brought to you by Innovative Financial Management. Mike Ciceri, a financial planner that you can trust. Well, welcome back. I am your host of the Jay Garvin Show right here on KRDO News Radio. And I invite you to look at my archives. Last week we had demographics of the lean years, exactly what's going on in our communities, why in the world does the economy seem slow to you, and what can you do to protect you, your decisions, and your family and retirement. You just go into either KRDO, look into the radio and scheduling, and Jay Garvin show right here on Saturday. Or you can go into jgarvins.com and just pop right into the archives on your computer. But I'm going to jump right into this. Today's show is called Infinity and Beyond. Quantitative easing continues. And I told Matt before, in order to understand the future, here we go. There's the tune. we got to go back in time. And if you go back all the way in the history of quantitative easing, it first reared its ugly head... Uh, back in Japan in the 2000s when Japan was starving and trying to recover from what looked to be a decade-long recession that started like in 1991. And it was where the actual Bank of Japan, which then the Bank of Japan goes ahead and said it was the uh, fault of the central bank within Japan, but it's centered all the way back to the Bank of Japan, where they flooded the markets and the Bank of Japan flooded commercial banks with an excess liquidity of money to promote private lending and keep the interest rate low in order to promote 
private sector activity. I mean, talk about going back in time. Does that sound exactly what our American stimulus uh, with the original package back in 08 and then quantitative easing 1, 2, and 3 exactly looks like today in our world? But Japan still is on this crack cocaine addiction. And once you get on stimulus or any theoretical drug, you start to not only lose the high or the effectiveness of the drug, but then it's more and more difficult to get off it to begin with. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but I come from a family uh, with a history of alcoholism, and I've seen it to the left and the right of me, and I know exactly what it looks like, and addictions destroy lives. And that's what I'm concerned about, and that's why I've put an entire radio show here to infinity and beyond with quantitative easing because up until last Thursday, I was proud that America, our country at the national level and the Federal Reserve headed off by Janet Yellen was finally breaking us off the addiction. And I'm going to go into more detail later in the show, but we were going as much as $65 billion a month that the federal government was purchasing mortgage-backed securities to flood the actual economy and financial markets with enough money to artificially to keep the interest rate low and down. That allows business to invest at a near cheap to zero level, allows you and I, an American with a mortgage, to invest at a near and at cheap level, and therefore that promotes activity in and of itself and therefore moves the economy forward. And we thought, I thought we were there until this interview took place this last week that said that the uh, federal government expects to not only continue the stimulus, but not to bleed these mortgage-backed securities into our economy, which, of course, goes along with the federal government starting to systematically increase our prime rate, which means that your cost of acquiring goods and mortgages and automobile loans and signature loans and installment loans would all increase with that. But most importantly, which I'll cover, it meant that the government's cost of repaying our debt would go up as well. So with Japan, and the sense that you now look 20-plus years later, and you can go into Google and Google this, not only has Japan shown that there is a permanent addiction to government stimulus. Now they have their problem in Japan further aggravated by the fact that they have not only a flat, but an actual negative population growth, which means any of you that have listened to me adamantly speaks in favor of demographic economy, supply and demand, is the kiss of death for Japan, because physically this year in 2014, there are less bodies, or humans, on the islands of Japan than there was in 2013. And what that means is they have no population replenishment, which means their quantitative easing and their fiscal policies in Japan and their lack of any type of immigration policies has literally forced that nation to start to die in its size and its effectiveness. And if United States goes down the same path, Forget about the national news and everything that affects Washington and Denver and the rest of the state. It's going to come right down into your and my backyard and haunt you and I. 
And that's why I will remind you that I am an optimist, and I'm going to walk through this and tell you exactly how you and I can prosper and prepare during these times. So, finishing up with the historical lesson, here in the United States, stimulus and quantitative easing really took root back in 2007 and 2008. And that's when the cancer, I'll refer to it philosophically, was brought into our financial markets. And our addiction within this, or the disease that we have financially, shows. And Alan Greenspan is the one that started it along with the second Bush, Ben Bernanke continued it, and then Janet Yellen, you know, has brought the parade around the court one more time. And in 2007, the Federal Reserve maybe had $700, billion of treasury notes, you know, between two and ten-year treasury notes before the recession. And that seems like a lot, but it really is minuscule. That was the amount of treasuries they were holding on the sidelines in an economy that was uh, looking to falter from 07. In November of 08, the federal government, through the stimulus and their initial mortgage-backed securities purchases, started to flood over $600 billion of mortgage-backed securities into our economy to keep the rates low and create artificial activity to stimulate and rid Americans of fear, if you remember this. And it peaked by June of 2010, where the federal government had now doubled up to $1.2 trillion of basically money that they were printing on your and my behalf and mortgage-backed securities in order to keep the economy going. And whoops, as soon as they thought things were starting to get stable in the summer of 2010, it was less than five months later that they said, oh, my God, the economy's not growing enough. And then they did another quantitative easing program. And it was at this time that they named it QE2 and then went back, just like they did with World War One and World War Two, and then labeled that first activity in November of 2008, officially quantitative easing one, and then in November of 2010... <laughs> We had quantitative easing, too. Just like originally for many of the uh, great and silent generation out there, New World War One as the War of the Worlds or the Great War. Until there was another war like it in World War Two, then they retroactively went back and said, okay, that was World War One, and now this one is World War Two. When United States needed to go back on the drug addiction of quantitative easing and stimulus in November of 2010, they retroactively went back and said, oh, back in 11 of 2008 during the real terrible crash, that was when we started our initial quantitative easing. And you see where there's a cycle now that's leading towards infinity and beyond. Because once you have one and then you go two and then you go three, and now individuals like they did on the market in the last four days predicted four. What's stopping us from five, six, seven, eight, nine? Therefore, I creatively brought in Buzz Lightyear and said, be weary because we might be going to infinity and beyond, and that's going to be catastrophic. Now, United States maintained that level of stimulus in 2010 at about $30 billion of mortgage-backed security purchases every month of two to ten-year treasury notes 
But that same cycle continued itself in 2011 where they thought there was strength. They thought they could taper off of the stimulus and the drug. But right again, almost to the month, in September of 2012, they then announced quantitative easing three and they upped, the federal government upped the entity, now went up to $40 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities. Which means, like I said pre- before, once you're addicted, your drug doesn't give you the same effect, so you have to apply more of it. Well, let me give you a short analogy in this, in this final segment here, the last three, four minutes. And you might grab onto it, but I think I'm losing some of you now. So I'm going to equate it to a car dealership. And Matt, watch me on this and tell me a nod if it makes sense. Because this is how quantitative easing works in my small, pea-sized brain. Picture yourself at a dealership, and you work there in the sales department. And sales are really bad. And sales equate to our economy. It's really bad. And how are you going to fix it? The sales manager comes up to you and says, we got an idea. We want you all to go home, get in your best Sunday clothes, bring back your wife, and we got an idea. Why are we going to do that? Shut up and go do it. So all the sales reps in the auto dealer go home, get in their best duds, come back with their wives, and all of a sudden the sales rep starts handing them cash and checks out of nowhere. They're just printing them. Boss, what are we going to do with this? There's 50 of us here. Well, here's the idea. You're going to go out into the front parking lot, and you're just going to start buying cars. You're going to come into us with the checks. You're going to give us the checks. You're going to get in your fancy new cars and your fancy duds. You're going to drive off the lot, and that's going to give the appearance of activity at our dealership so it's going to attract more people to come buy our fancy cars just like united states government believes that by printing money they can stimulate the economy and encourage people then to stimulate the economy so it can act on its own behalf so now you go and you take this car and you say boss what am i going to do with this car when we're done with it we'll just drive it around the back of the dealership and just park it there and then come back in, we'll give you another check, and then you go buy another car. And all the stimulus of car activity is going to create so many customers in our parking lot. But, but boss, what are we going to do with all the cars in the back? They're still ours. Don't we have to sell them? You don't worry about that, Bobby. Just go take our system and run with it hard. We'll worry about the consequences later. And the next thing you know, you've got no activity in the front of your car lot. You've got all your cars sitting in the back. And that's the place that our federal government is headed with these mortgage-backed securities. Because after QE3 and the analogy of the car dealership, the reality today is aside from our federal debt, the federal government is literally sitting on $4.2 trillion of mortgage-backed security papers that are just sitting there that someday, some shape, in some way, are going to have to be bled back into the economy. And that's when we are going to pay the piper for the financial decisions that our federal government has made. And that's why these elections coming up in November are important. This is why I'm upset with our federal government, because we were tapering over the last 12 months since last June from 65 down to 55 billion, down to 35 billion, and now down to 25 billion of tapered mortgage-backed securities purchases. We were going in the right direction, but for some reason, the Federal Reserve and Janet Yellen decided that going into this fall season and going into these elections, we can't afford for interest rates to go up. And I would argue that we could. And that's why I want you to stick around 
when I go into the hump segment and the power segment to explain exactly how this affects you after this history lesson and where we're going to go from there. So sign up for my seminars at RadioMortgage.com. Don't turn the dial and stay tuned as I continue the Jay Garvin Show right here on Cardio News Radio after the break. to go back in time the jay garvin show home mortgage talk here on krdo news radio 105.5 fm and 12:40 a.m we're back with our home mortgage jedi jay garvin's to infinity and beyond well thanks for staying tuned i am jay your host of the jay garvin show right here on krdo news radio where today's show in Infinity and beyond. Quantitative easing continues. Actually, during the break, I continue to try to understand and unravel this very mysterious ball of information that we call quantitative easing. So I invite you to call me at any time at 330-1457 or just reach out to radiomortgage.com as I continue here in the hump segment on this conversation of the Federal Reserve and their fret over the strong dollar and the global woes and all of this junk and how it affects your and my life. The first two segments I covered some of the historical background of quantitative easing. You can get a hold of that uh, at my archives at jgarvins.com or krdo.com. All of this, of course, because of the industry that I'm in with finance and my relation to real estate and my passion for you to... uh, create a budget for your family and have a retirement in place for you to take part in the American dream, which I solely believe in everybody's definition includes home ownership. That's always where I'm going to bring the conversation back to. And anybody that has listened to me for more than eight minutes knows that I'm an optimist, that I'm accountable, that if you call me or you reach out, I will personally call you back I'm actually going to have to change some of my advice from some of my most prized radio listeners like Jill and Ann and Clint and some of the new ones, Mark, and some of my old ones like uh, Denise and Tim Lee and uh, Jerry Straw, all you individuals that are out there. What I'm talking about today really affects my very firm statement over the last four months of my prediction that interest rates were going to go up somewhere between Halloween and Thanksgiving because of the announcement that the Federal Reserve and Janet Yellen had been holding firm to that the purchase of any mortgage-backed securities on a monthly basis to keep prime and the general interest rates low was finally going to come to an end. And Peter Schiff, right on one of the financial networks, says that he feels that the whole thing was a hoax. They just pretended to reference a future rate increase because rates increased means a recovered economy. 
and we've got all of these fantastic statistics coming out from the talking heads in the media about unemployment and everything getting better, when you and I all know that they may say that the economy feels better, but the individuals that I'm helping with mortgages are feeling the inflation portion of rising gas prices, feeling the inflational rise of food and the cost of it at King Super's, Safeway, and Albertsons and Walmart. And now the ruse or the excuse that the feds are using is that, oh, we can't raise interest rates or stop the quantitative easing, the stimulus, because threats over the dollar being so strong. And I don't understand that exactly because what Peter Schiff says is that the federal government is more afraid of a rising interest rate and inflation than you and I are. The federal government wants to make sure that the dollar remains stable enough that stock prices do not fall, that your real estate prices do not fall, and they are not relying on supply and demand. And for me to sit here and talk to you and say that the federal government is more afraid of inflation than you and I are says a lot. Because I have a lot of clients that if the interest rate goes up one percentage point, they can't afford to refinance, let alone purchase their home. Gas prices have already increased almost 300% since 2009. Food prices have increased 100%. And now if the federal government is saying that they're more afraid of inflation than we are, that says a lot. And I'll tell you, taking the layers off this onion, in layman terms, why is the federal government afraid of inflation and a rising treasury rate? is not because of you and I in the stock market and they want to keep interest rates low so you and I can buy houses and afford them. I would present to you that the real reason why the federal government doesn't want to increase the bond or treasury rate is because we have so much debt as a nation, $18 billion now approaching, more than $4 trillion of just mortgage-backed securities. Once you increase the bond rate or the treasury rate, that is going to make the federal deficit payment every year feel more and more expensive. And let me give you an analogy here. Imagine you, not anybody else, you, the listener, had a mortgage at 3.5%. You, the listener, have a student loan at 25 to 4%. And it's fixed, so you're relying on that payment, even though it is ungodly to think how many years you're going to have to pay it. At least you have consistency and expectation management every single month. Now imagine that someone calls you up with no notice and says, hey, your interest rate on your mortgage or your student loan is no longer 2 to 3 or 3 to 4 percent. It's 6 or 8 percent. And what does that do to your monthly budget? See, now it hits in your and my backyard. What does it do to your cost of living? What does it do to your standard of living? And that's what the federal government's looking like because if you increase the rate that they have to pay interest on our federal debt, then that makes a $17 trillion overall debt feel like 20 or 30 or 40 trillion. And that collapses the economy because it's too large of a percentage of our overall GDP, gross domestic product. Now, a lot of that is nerd speak with finances, but here, is where it goes. Some of you, not all of you, I'm preaching to the choir out there, know what it feels like to go through a personal bankruptcy, whether that's 
a scheduled bankruptcy like a Chapter 13 in a payment plan or an overall wipe out your debt, Chapter 7, you can imagine what it's like for everybody to wipe the slate clean and then either be a slave to your debtors or to be judged for 7 to 10 years because of the mistakes that you've made in rebuilding. It's actually one of the things that makes United States unique, that along with private property ownership, is the ability to file for bankruptcy. Because in some of these third world countries, once you are indebted to someone, if you can't pay, you go to jail or prison, your family has to feed you, and then you don't go anywhere until your family pays your debt. You're never going to be an active member of society until someone bails you out. And United States, in current fashion, allows for some liquidation of your debt through a bankruptcy. Now, we also know, and we've seen through General Motors and MCI, what it looks like for a company to go through bankruptcy. And that really hurts some employees. My wife lost over $50,000 of real wealth when MCI went bankrupt because all of her common stock was wiped away. And many of you listening, some of you listening, might have experienced the exact same thing right in our backyard here in Colorado Springs. That company bankruptcy of MCI affected you and me in our community. Now, the scariest thing is, is we've just realized and learned for the first time, and I think three separate occasions, two in California, but the most notorious being Detroit, exactly what an actual municipal or a city bankruptcy looks like. Detroit's was the largest in the history of United States and the world, and it's still a mess. But scary enough, in a moment of silence here, do you have any clue what it would look like if an entire state, let alone a country, filed for bankruptcy? That's a lot of silence. See, because what happens if a country files for bankruptcy is the same thing that happens if a city falls for bankruptcy. See, Detroit becomes a slave to its debtors. They start to liquidate their pension funds. They start to liquidate the potential of their Detroit museums and art galleries of their art. But most importantly, they have a schedule of payment like a lapdog to its master until those debts are paid off. See, this is not the world of Armageddon, but if China is the largest holder of treasury notes for United States and we no longer can pay them, wouldn't it be logical then that United States and a portion, a percent of our gross domestic product would have to go to China for some extended period of time every single year, and we the lapdog and they the master? Because that's where the darkest of dark rooms lead us. So if you don't take this serious, and I don't take this serious, with the potential addiction to this quantitative easing, all you need to do is Google the situation in Japan to see where there's a potential of where we might be headed. Now, that's a pun there, because I didn't mean we were going to be headed, but it might be where we are headed. And we don't want to follow the Japan model. We don't want to go into a currency crisis. I believe that we can beat this, but I'll tell you, just as the states have done, more than 30 of them, and voted in conservative, financially responsible governors, we need to do that in the state of Colorado. We need to do that in our city with our officials. That's why I so adamantly support so many politicians that started out as businesswomen and businessmen. 
because we have individuals in office that don't even know how to balance a payroll. We have individuals in office that don't even know what a balance sheet or a profit and loss are. And I know what those things are. And if you get a budget, an actual budget in your household, that's your starting point to understanding the details of financial responsibility. So my power segment is going to be, no pun intended, powerful. So don't go anywhere. Take this time during the break to go to RadioMortgage.com and sign up for my Investment Property Owner Seminar class where I teach you the simple steps of becoming an investment property owner because in the power segment, you're going to need it. Make sure that you give me a call at 330-1457 to say, Jay, I'm a little bit scared. I want you to help me form a budget. I want you to look at my mortgage and tell me if it's reasonable. And I also want you to help me buy my first house. Don't go anywhere. The Jay Garvin Show Home Mortgage Talk here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM and 1240 AM. We're back with our home mortgage Jedi, Jay Garvin's. To infinity and beyond! Last one. You and I are into the power segment. I am Jay. Well, let me tell you this right now. So there's a horse, and he walks into the bar. And the bartender says, why the long face? So, that's the humor for the hour. We'll get back to some reality here. And I am finishing up the power segment in Infinity and Beyond. Quantitative easing continues and how it affects your and my personal life. So we get down to the power segment. Jay gives all of this back to the future stuff. We got a little bit of a jam here. Bring that in, Matt. Fade it in. A little bit retro 50s. Then we went to, oh, here he comes, Buzz Lightyear, what? To infinity and beyond. infinity and beyond. We went back and you and I covered some of the history of quantitative easing and how it developed, where we got the model from, both Europe and distinctively Japan was the leader, and how it's affected them and how it might affect us. But what will it do to affect you? See, because if interest rates are low... You can't control what the federal government does, but you can control what you do in taking advantage of their short-sighted decisions and or prepare for the repercussions thereof. And one of the things that I state here before I go into the different four bullet statements I want to encourage you to undertake for the power segment on this quantitative easing and how you can prepare yourself, because I'm telling you, that we are going to be in an extended period of deflation, but at some point we are going to go into an uncontrolled inflationary hedge that might be equal to that in the 1970s. It always happens when you go through the cycle that we have been through. And it's like the analogy of going from America to Europe. See, many and most sane people would say that it is realistic that you will have to expect to go over the Atlantic Ocean in order to get from America to Europe. Now, some idiots, the few chosen, that will argue that you can go around the Pacific side the long way around the world, 
I'm going to have that argument until you're blue in the face because, see, it's not a realistic scenario. But people are going to argue it. In the same fashion, I would propose to you that we have to go through an inflationary hedge during these lean years in order to get to the productive years that I predict in 2020 to 2023 whenever, whenever the millennials start to turn 40 and be really highly productive members of society. That 87 million people within the millennial generation is going to help us recover. That's why it's so important when I talk demographics. You and I, whether you're a baby boomer uh, born from 1946 to 1964, a Gen Xer like me from 1965 to 1981, or you might be a millennial listening born from maybe 1982 to about 2002, 2004, that you will imagine or predict or start to prepare that 87 million millennials understand, as do we, the Gen Xers and baby boomers, that a productive and large generation can create enough economic activity to pull us out. But there's too big of a gap between 2014 and 2022 that I believe there's going to be a downturn and repercussion for all of this stimulus and quantitative easing and an inflationary hedge that you and I are going to have to prepare for so a couple of the things that you can do, what do you do? First of all, you can go into my archived shows. Go to RadioMortgage.com and say, Jay, repeat this information if you don't have a chance to get it down. Or just call me at 330-1457 and I'll call you back. But on 315 of 2014, March 15, 2014, I did a show called Wealthy Versus Poor Thinking. And the wealthy people think far differently than you and I many of the times. So I share that with you and how they think, people who prepare for these times and people that don't. And then also on the 19th of April, 419, 2014 archive shows, I talk about government stimulus and, again, what you can do to prepare. But for me today, I'll give it to you in a nutshell, four things. And these are not the exclusive things. These are not the only things. I want to tell you that we together can prepare cautiously for a time that if it comes, another economic downturn, you're prepared. But if it doesn't come, then you have all your ducks in line and you're relieved. Number one, anybody who's sane in the main brain will tell you that you have to eliminate debt. My God, we I do a whole show on the federal government exacerbating all of their resources to create more debt. And I'm telling you, the biggest thing is to counter it. Look at all of the businesses, private corporations, public corporations. Did you know that hundreds and hundreds of corporations are actually going through stock buying plans? They're buying back their own stock so they can have less debt and more control over their decisions. I want you to do the same. So power segment point number one is to eliminate your debt. Yes, that means you're going to have to downsize your life. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you poo-poo information, but you're going to have to grow up, pull up your big boy or your big girl pants, and stop your love affair for that next 80-inch flat-screen LCD TV and just eliminate your debt. Unless your debt appreciates like a business, a home, and or a stock, don't keep yourself leveraged. Number two, you want to tighten your budget. Tighten up that belt, sailor! I would be afraid to actually ask how many of you have a physical written monthly budget. I know exactly how much I write to a check to myself and my wife every single month for a budget, and we adhere to it. 
She hates me at times, and I get aggravated at times, but the reality is is you have to tighten your budget. In order to do that, you have to know what it is. Now, next, which is the most important, YJ did the show. Here you are, the next two minutes. Stack real assets. If there's a possibility of a sell-off in the market, if they don't continue stimulus, you want to put money on the sideline because money not growing is a heck of a lot better than money depreciating. So buy real assets like small starter homes. That's why I want you to go to my investment class on the 21st of October from 6.30 to 8.30. Not to hear me talk, but to learn about how you can stack assets as a normal individual. I don't have 400 grand to buy stock, do you? Because during deflation, cash is king because it buys more. So you need to stack real assets. And I want you to go to radiomortgage.com right now and say, Jay, I want to learn more about how I can diversify or start my portfolio with actually buying my first house or turning my first house into a rental. And finally, you have to plan for the worst and hope for the best. Plan for the worst. Eliminate your debt. Tighten your budget. Stack real assets and cash. And then if the economy doesn't turn again because of all of these terrible decisions that the government is making with quantitative easing, then you've got plenty of cash and you're happy anyway. Take that advice. Call me at 330-1457 if you want me to help or give me some feedback. But as I say at the end of every show, I want each and every one of you to go, grow, and prosper. Tell somebody close to you that you love them this week because that's what matters in the end. And if you have not found your passion in life, get down on your knees and pray to God that he would deliver it to you because that's what I found in you, the radio listeners. I look forward to this hour every single week to help each and every one of you and add value to your life. So have a great week. Reach out to me at 330-1457 and I will catch you next week at this same time. You've been listening to The Jay Garvin Show right here on KRDO News Radio. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. The preceding program is a paid program on KRDO News Radio. The opinions and views expressed don't necessarily represent the views and opinions of the staff and management of KRDO News Radio, 105.5 FM and 12:40 AM. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. You got trouble, and I got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together. See it through. Cause you got to infinity.